Hey there, buddy. Don't forget, there's plenty of Last Podcast Network merch available over on lastpodcastmerch.com. We got shirts for all of your favorite shows like Wizard of the Bruiser and Page 7 and No Dogs in Space. And of course, plenty of stuff for Last Podcast on the left. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com. Thank you. socks in the sink at a Motel 6, sleeping with a knife in my hand in a stranger's basement, putting my rent money in the bottom of my shoes so I won't get robbed. All of these things and more are possible through stand-up comedy. If you feel like you were misunderstood in your youth, maybe you have a touch of narcissism, maybe you like to say the worst possible things at parties and you don't know why, You can go to an open mic today. It's a hard life, but you know, sometimes it's all you can do. It's all you have. And today, we're going to talk about it. Stand-up comedy, baby. I have PTSD from stand-up, and I didn't realize I did until we started coming back into the world. And they're like, hey, you ready to come do some shows? And I'm like, I don't know (laughs) if I'm like emotionally ready for this. I'm like, Looking at my past, we're going to talk about it, how I got into this, kind of what the life of stand-up is, is like. Um, people will look you dead in the eyes and say the worst possible thing to your face, right? The worst thing. And you're expected to be a tough guy, you know? Like, I'm just going to let it roll off my back. I'm just going to let it roll off. And, like, after a while, it, it, it gets to you. I was looking at my old sets, and I'm, like, calling myself a stupid bitch on stage, I am not a stupid bitch. I am a smart, nice person. I helped a lady up the escalator the other day, okay? I'm nice. I'm not a stupid bitch. But that's what this whole lifestyle does to you, man. It is hard. And people are just like, I can't wait to get back out there. I can't wait to get it. And like doing their same material, like nothing's changed. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, all right, let's get into it. So first off, I'm not a stupid bitch. How did I start? So I wanted to be like, I wanted to be an actress. That's really what I wanted to do. I loved acting. I loved singing. You know, I thought I was like some great (laughs) kid, right? And then I fall into this, like, I fall into short form improv in college. And I'm like, you know, college people are usually doing like whippets and keg stands and I'm doing like freeze frame in a coffee shop. You know what I mean? Like the, the nerdiest stuff you can. And I'm like saving every penny I can to go to New York city. I go to New York city with my two gay guy friends. You know, we don't know anybody. We don't know anything, but I'm like, I'm just the typical Southern. Like I can't wait to make it big. (laughs) Just me and my suitcase and some dreams about to be destroyed. Right. So I get off and I'm like, you know, off the plane, I'm like hitting these audition calls. And the thing with New York City, because I wanted to do musical theater, I wanted to do stage. And the thing with that, you go in there thinking you're a triple threat. You're like, okay, yeah, I can dance. I can sing. I can act. I can do comedy. I can do drama. I can do it all. Baby, everybody can. (laughs) Everybody can. And then you get to these open calls and these calls are at like, 
I, I would say they start at 8 a.m., but you got to start lining up at 6 a.m. And you are seeing the best of the best right in front of you. And I would go, I would go, I would go for weeks. And I could never even, I, I was not going early enough. I wasn't even getting in the room. And then I remember this. I got in the room for the first time. And there were about 15 of us. They kept bringing 15 of us in chunks. I look like everybody else. And we don't even get to say our name. We don't even get to say who we are. They just look at us and point and it's yes or it's no. And I leave and I was like, I just wasted. I called out of work that day. I was like, I, I could have made like 60, 80 bucks this afternoon. And I said, I lost it just to come stand here and like to not even get to say my name. Welcome to New York, right? Sorry, I'm sipping on coffee. So what do I do? I uh, get really drunk <laughs> and I walk around New York at night. So safe, so safe, so lovely. And um, I wander into UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade. And I had had some short form improv, very gamey experience, but I'd never seen stuff like this before. Um, and it was like improv 99.9% .9 of the time, it's the worst thing you've ever seen. But that 1% of the time, I was there and that, that I saw a show that was so beautiful and it was so funny and touching and perfect. And I was like, I want to do this. And I got a job. I was a cocktail waitress. I made a little bit of money and I just put myself through UCB. Right. And I was like, this is going to be my thing. And then, and I was like, I get on a mod team, which is for like sketch and I'm writing sketch. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go back into acting. I get back at, into acting. I get fired from a film set because I don't fuck the director. <laughs> right. I get fired. He brought me to a motel room and he said, um, let's do some improvs on the bed. And I said, no, and. And um, he continued to make fun of me for my weight, um, my looks, just to like degrade me every second on set. And the next day he said, um, I'll send your check in the mail. And I said, like, hell you will. And I go and I knock on his dresser and I say, you pay me now. You pay me now. Because like, um, friends, little tip from me to you. If you ever do a work, a job, and somebody says, check's coming in the mail, check's not coming in the mail. <laughs> you go knock on that door. And he was just like, get away, get away. Check's coming to the mail. And I was like, bam, bam, bam. Like hell I will. Bam, bam, bam. And um, he finally gets one of his buddies. He writes a check, his, a personal check. He gets so mad. He's so mad he has to pay me. He's so mad he has to do the right thing. And um, he, he pays me. I get in the car. I zip off. And I was just like, fuck that guy. Um, and um, I was just like, I guess no more. I was like so scarred from that. So I signed up to do stand-up. I signed up for an open mic night. Which like, how scarred do you have to be to sign up for open mic? <laughs> How much were you hurt? Who hurt you? What happened? Are you okay? I signed up. And you know, I was at the Creek in the Cave and I loved their open mic scene. I loved the early on New York City open mic scene because you write the jokes, you get concise. It's two to three minutes. We're all getting stuff. We're all getting like stage time, right? And people are listening. They're like listening to your set. And we're talking about like today comics that are famous, like Mark Norman, he would be in the back gonna do a set as well at the mic and he would listen to you and then you would talk about it later your act you know it was like really opening and like people were there for each other you know if you had an extra taquito on your plate because it was a mexican restaurant we would give it to each other because we knew how hungry we were we're doing like three mics a night you know rain sleet or snow you are going and then it's not that way in la 
In LA, it's very off-putting. In LA, it's very like, who do you know? I won't be nice to you unless you can give me something. It doesn't matter how funny you are. It's what do you look like? How many followers you have on Instagram? That's the scene here. And it's, it's very upsetting. That's what it is. I'm getting off track. I'm getting off track. So I want to talk about some shows I did that are sort of like <laughs> lasting, I guess. And I mean, I like if you're on the East Coast, you can get in a mega bus and I can hit in a couple weekends, I can hit Philly, D.C., Boston. I do the whole, you just get on a mega bus. And I was doing like, hey, you want to come do this show in a basement in Philly? We'll give you 50 bucks. All right. First ticket out. It's a literal like $5 ticket on the mega bus. And I would sleep in like <laughs> in this dude's, I remember sleeping in this dude's basement with a knife in my hand because I didn't know who he was. And um, he was smoking with his friends, like cigarettes on the first floor. And it was going down into the basement. And I remember thinking to myself, I am getting a hotel next time. <laughs> this is this is not worth it. But you do a lot of that. Because some, some of these shows, they'll give you 50 bucks, sometimes 200 bucks, and it's cash. It's all cash, baby. That's why you got to put it underneath your shoes when you get on the bus back home because you're so tired. You can't get robbed. And you got to sometimes like, oh my God, sometimes like the, the bookers would be like, eh, I don't know. Like they would try to stiff you. Like at the 20 bucks here, five bucks here. And you really have to like stick up for yourself. And men would come up to me after shows and be like, I liked your set. Here's a drink. And I'm like, no, thank you. But thank you. And like, no, you have to drink it. And I'm like, dude, like, please. It's like if you're a comic, especially a female comic, and you're pretty young and just hitting the scene, um, people want to kill you. <laughs> they want to rip you from limb to limb. I don't know what it is, but they just want to like drink the drink, you know, getting yelling at me because I'm not accepting their, obviously it's bait at this point. or like trying to like scam you off of money. And it was like, you really have to like stand up for yourself and be kind of a bitch. And I don't propose being like, I'm a badass boss bitch. Cause you know, most people are pretty nice, but in the, in the world of stand up, man, people will stab your mother in the back for $5. All right, let's talk about some shows. I was doing an open mic once. And this is like a, kind of like a, you could do storytelling, you could do characters, what it was like an open end kind of thing. And this guy comes up with a ventriloquist dummy. And usually, I don't know if you've seen ventriloquist acts, but um, it's usually the dummy that's like the bigot. You know what I mean? Usually the dummy is like the bad guy and the actual comic, the human, is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They play the straight man and they set him straight. You know, like, you can't say that. That's like, and there's a reason why. And so this guy comes on and he does the opposite. So he's the bigot. He's the bad guy. And the puppet is like the, hey there, buddy. Like he's trying to be the straight man. It doesn't work. And this man, this 25-year-old man with a puppet on his arm breaks down crying and says, I'm so sorry. My dad's going to kill me. <laughs> this puppet on his hand. And he was, I forget the exact jokes, but I know I was pretty hardened at this point. And I was like, dude, that's a lot. Like, what are you talking about? And like, no one was laughing at his jokes in the beginning. They were like, whoa, man. And we're talking like New York back in the day when it was like, there was no such thing as PC. You know what I mean? We were just like telling jokes. And even then we were just like, whoa, man, this is a lot. Like, this is really mean. <laughs> 
this is really mean. You should be nice, man. There's no jokes in here. And it's like, whoa, like what you doing saying these things about people? And he just broke into tears. And when he started breaking into tears, I thought that was a bit. I was like, oh, this is a funny bit. Like he gets it. Cause I think at one point he said something like, I'm mean to people because I hate myself the most. And like, imagine, like, imagine like, yay, fuck all these people. <laughs> I'm mean to myself because I hate myself the most. <laughs> like, just imagine that. And everybody, um, we were dying laughing. Like, we thought it was a bit. And he's like, no, guys, it's not a bit. My dad's going to be so mad. He drove me out here from New Jersey and I told him I'd be a ventriloquist. and It's not working. No one likes my act with a fucking puppet on his hand. I loved it. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. Another thing, another story, a reason why I won't eat before I go on stage is because I was in middle of America and I was really hungry and I was, um, I was uh, opening for a very famous comic and I think I was going to do 20 to 30 minutes up top. And um, I had a thing in the beginning called a Jesus Christ and it was a slice of pizza with another slice of pizza on top cheese facing each other and you eat it like a sandwich. It's called the Jesus Christ. And I had diarrhea on stage, sucking it in my ass so bad. I couldn't, I, I don't even remember. I was sweating bullets. I don't even remember what I was talking about. I just did my act and I do a lot of act outs on stage and I'm pretty like big, but boy, oh boy, was I keeping it real close. <laughs> I'm not getting on that stool. I'm not pretending that microphone's a dick. I'm going to shit myself if I do that. Um, and I do my time and then I just, I go to the bathroom and I said, I can't come on and bring the next guy on. And I go take a shit. I go take a shit for a full hour. I mean, I thought it must've been food poisoning. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> And you can hear the audience, I can hear the audience laughing at the headliner, who's very funny. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then I remember I had to go back on to be like, all right, everybody, that's our show. And um, I couldn't even do that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, don't eat before you go on stage. Man, that was so bad. Also, a lot of like road and touring stuff, you get, you you like gain weight and not in like a fun body positivity weight in like a, the only thing around here is Carl's Jr. You know what I mean? Like it's different if you want to eat for fun and like you get, you got a little tubby and that's nice. That's fun. That's nice. But like out of desperation and out of like, oh my God, I want a vegetable. Like give me a fruit, some fruit that isn't dipped in sugar, please. Or like in a smoothie <laughs> that doesn't exist. That does not exist. I would get like beef jerky and like peanuts, but you can't really survive on that. It is it is legit 7-Eleven uh, gas station sandwiches, Carl's Jr. You just shit your brains out every night on the road. You cannot eat healthy. Doesn't There's no gyms. There's no gyms. Maybe there's one at a hotel. If you're lucky, if you're big shot enough and you get a nice hotel with a gym in it, okay. Sure. But, you know, in Philly, sleeping in a basement? No, there's no gyms. Unless I want to run from the cops. Unless I want to do that. What else? Oh, here's, a, here's something I learned from it. So I got my, um, my first club act. 
my first club spot. And this is a big deal because you start doing open mics and then you do these like cool alt shows like out in Brooklyn or something where like there's like a handful of people in the audience and you get paid and drink tickets. That's why a lot of comics are like raging alcoholics because for years you are literally paid in alcohol. You're not given money. You're given drink tickets that you therefore go to the bartender and then give them, you know, they give you whatever drink you want. Sometimes I'd be so poor I couldn't even like get a drink because I'd have to tip the bartender a dollar and I didn't have the dollar. So I was just like doing the show for literally nothing. But if you get club spots, so club spots are like stand up New York, Caroline's. These are the big deals. This is where people pay and they pack out the room and people got to like, they got to get the two drinks. They got to get the food. They're excited to be there. It's a more intelligent crowd. Or I don't want to say intelligent. Actually, no, it's not. But it's a more like we paid to be here kind of crowd and not just like kids that came in off the street that are like, oh, what's this? Comedy? <laughs> they know why they're there, right? And they're paying a lot of money and they want to show right? They want, it's got to be on, it's got to be quick and you get paid. So for the first time after years, you as a comedian can get paid. You can start making money. So this first shot really matters. What do I do? Fuck it up. (laughs) I fuck it. So I have this joke. I, well, I had my whole set and I'd been rehearsing it, practicing it. It was solid. Right. And then my friend comes up and he says, do your happy birthday joke. Start with that. Cause he was already a club comic. And I was like, oh, I guess this guy knows what's up. You know, maybe I was like, I don't think the happy birthday joke is it says, um, here's an impression of a selfish person singing happy birthday to somebody else. And the whole joke of it is I'm singing happy birthday, really like high pitched operatic. It's all about me. It's, It's a big body language on the stage kind of a joke. It's very funny. Is it an opener? No. No, it's not, because it's kind of crazy. You have to know me first, because I remember doing that joke, and when you are like trying something new, vulnerable, and doing a big act out, and they don't like you, man, that is an ego death. <laughs> that is, I remember just hitting that high note at the end, waiting for that applause break, and it was like, what? <laughs> People were like, what is this? One guy got up out of his seat, goes to the front and demanded his money back. He said, I want my money back. And then he pointed at me on stage and I could read his mouth. And he says, I don't like her. I want my money back. (laughs) Oh man, they didn't ask me back for, I would say another six months to a year. Cause they remember, you know, those bookers, they probably just got another booker, but they remember that, you know, And um, yeah, I fucked up. But what I learned from that, because I finished my set, it is grueling. And really the most important part of your set is the beginning, because that's where the audience sees you, knows you, knows what's up, knows what to laugh at, right? And if you fuck up right at top, good luck with that. (laughs) Good luck getting them back, baby. So I remember I get off stage, I'm holding it all in, and then I just walk around the corner, because, you know, never let them see you sweat. I walk around the corner and I just fucking cry. And I'm outside and it's New York and it's like 20 degrees and I put my head in a corner where nobody can see me and I just cry. And I said, Amber, I want, you know, when you like speak to yourself and it's like a higher version of yourself, like comforting you, it said, Amber, I want you to feel this 
right now. I want you to feel all of it and cry it out. Cry as long as you want. Feel as bad as you want. And remember this, because what you did was you sacrificed what you wanted to do to make somebody else happy. And it didn't work out. So then nobody was happy. If you would have done what you wanted to do and then failed at that, at least you would have been happy. At least you would have benefited from it. But now, nobody. So to this day, and I recommend this for everybody, do what's in your heart. (laughs) Do what you know. And if somebody says, hey, no, do it like this, and you believe in your heart of hearts that they're wrong, don't even fucking do it. Don't do it. Because if it goes bad, no one's going to be happy. And if it goes well, now you're going to do that shit every time. All right. What else? Oh, I opened up for the Joan Rivers movie. Well, I didn't open up for it. The mistake here was they played the movie and then I did my act um, because they wanted me to like, they wanted to like show a live comic after this, the best comic in the world. (laughs) Like, you know, piece of work, Joan Rivers. It was like the screening for this movie. It was like the first time it was shown and they wanted to get a female comic to go on after the movie. So we see the best comic in the world and they're like, all right. So everybody, we're going to do like a little, as they call, a tight five in the biz. And um, what I should have done was got up there and been like, hey, what a great movie. You know, aren't we all having fun and just kind of bullshit. But like I started doing my act and it was weird. So um, don't do that. (laughs) And it was in front of like Joan Rivers, like family. (laughs) I think Melissa Rivers was in the back and was so upset. No one liked it. I think... I do remember the directors for the show sat up front and I had like such a blue because I used to be a really, really, really blue comic. And like they, the directors were like, that's enough. (laughs) They said, that's enough. And I think I know the joke they said it on. And I think I know. Keep in mind, I was really blue and I was a different person then. There's something like. I don't like guys with big dicks. They're mean. They don't hold the door open. They don't care. They got a big dick. Who cares? I like guys with little dicks. You know what they say to me? I love you. Okay, Amber, that's enough. (laughs) Ah, That's enough. Okay, I think we're done here. In front of everybody. Oh, my God. Mm. You sort of... I guess when you, when your ego dies enough, you're just kind of like, okay. (laughs) But the good part of about it is you get to see America. You get to travel. I get to know places. I know how people are, you know, when you live in LA and New York too long, you really do get into a bubble. You really do think there's going to be like yoga for dogs on every corner. You know what I mean? Like you think there's going to be like smoothie shops and that's just not how the country runs, you know, and then you go visit your uncle and you're just like, oh, God, where's the boba tea? <laughs> and then people look at you like you're crazy because you are. That's just not how that's not how it is. I knew Trump was going to get elected. So I wasn't as remember the election day, like people were understandably very upset. I knew it was going to happen simply because I'd been touring the country. And I remember I had a meeting with a guy in New York who was one of those like in a bubble, um, in a New York bubble, never leaves, born in New York, raised in New York, thinks the rest of the world runs like New York. Um, he calls himself a male feminist, but actually like a huge misogynist. Like I fucking hate this guy. (laughs) So pretentious. He, I think he was attracted to me. I think he was physically attracted to me and he, he found it us from Louisiana. 
So he would say shit to me like, oh, you're just a stupid Southerner, like to my face. And I remember telling him, if I'm so stupid, why am I in the same room as you? How did that happen, huh? And my friend who brought me into the meeting was just horrified because she was like, Amber, you just say yes, sir. You say yes, sir, to this man because he can give you opportunities. And I guess I blew it because I was just like, you know what? Fuck you. I think I told him to go fuck himself at like the end of the meeting because you don't just tell me I'm a dumb country bumpkin when you don't know what the fuck is up. And I told him, I was like, you know what, dude, Trump is going to win. I, I said, I don't like him. I don't, I didn't vote for him, but your little bull, bubble bullshit isn't going to work. And he got so mad. He's like, that's never going to happen. Sure enough. That's what happened. Somebody, I remember even like right outside the, um, the, uh, office he called me in at, uh, the night Trump was elected, some guy in a big, stupid truck had a flag and it was just like doing whippets around that block. And I was just like, oh, the tables have turned. Um, I hope he saw. I hope that guy sitting in his office saw. I just can't believe. That's another thing about New Yorkers. and Because like comedy is a way in. It's a way into the business. Not really, but I can still perform. You know, I didn't go to Juilliard. I didn't come to New York City with money. I can't like this acting stuff. They will try to have sex with you. <laughs> They'll try to use you and discard you like you're nothing. You know, I don't have anything to back it up. I don't have a powerful daddy. Stand up was a way for me to do this. It was a way to, for me to survive. Don't fucking call me a country bumpkin. Anyways, let's do some jokes. <laughs> I found some old jokes of mine. Oh my God. I haven't done these in like at least two years. Wow. Okay. I did some magic mushrooms in an old monastery by myself. Did you know hell is real? <laughs> Did you know that? The spookiest haunted house is your own brain. Oh man, hell's real. You know, I've been looking into a lot of religions. Wiccans, they always have big tits. You know, so maybe they're right. Maybe Wiccans are right the whole time. I've been dating a lot of bad boys. Ooh, bad boys. I got a text from this guy that said, hey, it's me, Steve, from the bar last night. Remember me? I'm the guy with the neck tattoos. And I was like, imagine getting a bunch of neck tattoos and people still don't remember who you are. <laughs> you loser. You loser. A bunch of tattoos, personality of a manila folder. All right. Great to be here. I am protecting myself. You know, I stopped dating. I stopped dating because you can't put a condom on your heart. <laughs> No, you can't. And I got a magnum, baby. I got a magnum. It's, I feel too much. And you know, it's hard. It's hard being a girl. It's hard being raised as a little girl. You know, first you're like climbing trees and reading books. And the second you can tie your shoes without falling over, men are like, let me put my dick in you. And you're like, I just found out Santa Claus wasn't real. You better find out my dick is real. <laughs> Stop crying like a little girl. I, I would say being a little girl is pretty hard. Stop crying like a little boy, okay? I don't know. I did have it hard growing up. I did. I, I moved around a lot, right? Like, I moved around so much. Teachers would ask, what's six times four? And I'm like, I'll be gone next month. Six times four? I don't know. You figure that out. <laughs> Good luck with that, lady. Mood run a lot. Hard childhood. I don't have daddy issues, though. I do not have daddy issues. I have mommy issues. I have mommy issues. And that's spooky to say, 
People with mommy issues, spooky to say, spooky to hear. Because people with daddy issues, they sleep around. People with mommy issues, they murder people with daddy issues. <laughs> right? Ask any serial killers. Like, mommy made me do it. It's scary. Your mom has a lot of power, you know? Your mom should come. Your mom should come. Your mom should come Buckets, baby, powerful. Because you can always tell the kind of people born from bad sex, you know? They're pale and weak. They look like a boy king that never got into power, right? And I was conceived on a commercial break from Frasier. My mom never comes. My spirit animal's a fedora. That was fun. And that was just a little taste. I think I was digging through my notebook. Let's see if I can find one truly disgusting one. Because I was digging through and I was like, oh, these are all really filthy. Let me try to find one. Because I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at this and it like even hurts to say. I can't believe I used to say this on stage. Oh, what's one of them? I went on a date with a picky eater. I can't do that. I hate that. Picky eaters. I feel like I'm a pedophile. <laughs> Can I get some more chicken tendies? I just want chicken tendies. And then can you put your mouth on my butthole later? Oh, I'm a picky eater. I want to cut into stars and dip it in some ketchup. Can you sit on my pee-pee later? Can you sit on it? I want a glass of milk. How disgusting. What a wretch <laughs> of a human being. All right, I'll kind of dig through here for five seconds and then kind of boogie out of here. I do want to talk more about stand-up in the future. Again, I have such PTSD. Like, I can't. These jokes, doing them on stage, just sounds silly. Silly to me. What is this? Condom, heart, anal. I have a joke that's just called anal. It says, anal! Why do men scream that they want anal? An I think that was the bit. Anal! Anal! You know what? I, maybe I was a bad stand-up. Something about a lift dick. Man, what is a lift dick? I think it was like, I got some dick in a lift. I think that was the joke. Jeez, who was I? Anal. I just keep writing anal over and over and over again in this notebook. It must have been a joke. I have no idea. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this some more. Um, we've done like half an hour here. This is really fun. I'm about to go get on a train and go see my brother in Sedona. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about that next week. But um, let me know if you want to like talk about performing or stand up again. I hope it was interesting enough. Okay, guys, back to you. Thank you, Amber. That was very insightful. All I know is Amber Nelson is one of my favorite stand up performers I've ever seen live. She destroys the brains of every audience she's ever faced. Whether she bombs or she kills, they still leave broken-brained after watching the wonderful Amber Nelson. Um, how you guys doing? This is my part of the show. Yes. I wrote jokes. We're talking about stand-up and getting back on stage. Yeah, I wrote some jokes. Yeah, we'll start it off like we always do. All right. Whenever I go see comedy, I find that my favorite stand-ups have a lot of jokes, stand too close to the audience, and are really, really ugly. 
I like the kind of person that could open for the Country Bear Jamboree. Yeah. Put in some canned laughter for me. In order to get good at stand-up, you have to grind, start with open mics, write jokes all day long, go to everyone else's show, get to know everybody, or be Stormy Daniels. I was just doing some live shows in South Florida, and the crowds were so sunburnt, you couldn't tell what race they were until they started saying racist shit. Hey! Oh, there we go. There we go. We in the party now. We party now. All right, guys, just so you know, this show comes out on Friday. So on Sunday, this Sunday, the last podcast network presents the great mugshot roast, a benefit for the last prisoner project this Sunday, 9, 12, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern until whenever we freaking finish. And it's all going to be on the LPN Twitch channel. If you don't got Twitch, this would be a good time to get it. You're not going to want to miss this shit. Um, the last prisoner project who this is all a benefit for. They're a wonderful organization that helps get people out of jail and assimilate back into society off of marijuana charges, which, you know, thank you. These people got to rough it up. They just try to get stoned. They're on there in jail. You know, it's ridiculous. So what the show is, it, it, if you don't know if you guys used to listen to Roundtable, but whenever we'd have a news story, we'd uh, make fun of the mugshot a little bit. So I figured we'd make the great mugshot roast, and we had the fans submit their own mugshots, and, and we're going to be making fun of your mugshots, because uh, volunteers only. I didn't want to do any uh, roasting of mugshots of some poor schmuck who had the worst day of their life. I'd rather be a volunteer, and it's all for charity. It's all for uh, The Last Prisoner Project. I mean, we got all your favorite people from the last podcast network doing segments with me. We got Ben Kissel, Henry Zabrowski, Jackie Zabrowski, Marcus Parks, Holden McNeely, Amber Nelson, my cousin Jeff Ross is going to stop by Rosa Mugshots. Musical performance from Jonathan Braun from Start Making Sense and the Felice Brothers are coming by. This is going to be wild. And we got some special appearances from Alana Glazer, Jermaine Fowler, Brooks Whelan, Nimesh Patel, Benji Oflalo, Alex Hooper, Frank Sebastiano, Jabbar Neighbors, Nicole Buchanan, Mike Lawrence, Keith Carey, Kevin Skeeney. We got everyone's here. All the roast writers. I invited them to come destroy my mugshot, and that's what they did. Uh, and that, All for charity. So come check it out. If you can't make it out, uh, you, you can watch it on the replay and still donate to the Last Prisoner Project at lastprisonerproject.org. All right. Yes. So today we're talking about uh, stand-up and, like, getting on stage and stuff like that. And it's hard. Stand-up is hard. Everyone who's just like, oh, you just tell jokes for a living has no idea how fucking difficult that is, and uh, it's emotionally just lunacy to do it. You're a maniac if you choose to do it, and that's uh, that's what it is. Uh, I've never fully committed to stand up personally. It's too much on the psyche, man. You know, it really is. You know, because I just like to talk to people like I'm talking to you guys right now. I don't necessarily have to like always like come ready to go like to do stand-up i mean, don't get me wrong i get on stage but i'm more of a host than someone you'd book to do a set if that makes any sense uh you know because i like to bring the end energy I i'm into that shit i was doing stand-up to huge crowds without knowing i was doing it like 
going back all the way to high school. I would host the pep rallies and it was wild. I was doing like, honestly, the pep rallies, we fill an entire gymnasium. I'm like doing this shit to like 500 people. I don't even realize that I'm doing that. I'm just like, I don't know. It was one of those things where it take me growing up to realize that I was playing 500 person crowds when I was 17 years old. I mean, it's wild. It's so crazy. Um, but you know, I was doing Mr. Olympic Heights. Um, I, you know, that was in charge of all the fun lunches where I would like basically just set up some speakers in the middle of the courtyard and I'd make people like chug Sprite out of a funnel, you know, like I would just do ridiculous shit. It was so much fun. Uh, you know, I, I did a Chris Farley impression that killed it. I feel like that's a, in the nineties, if you were funny in your school, at some and fat at some point you had to do a Chris Farley impersonation and the crowd went wild because you were just stealing from Chris Farley. Um, I remember one time I rigged the prices right so my mom would win even though like I just invited her there. It was like for students and my mom. It was I was so happy about that. And then when I got to Tallahassee and joined Murder Fist, we had I had to do stand up like twice a month for the Murder Fist show. And that was like playing at home. So I didn't really, I thought I was great, but I was really just playing to the people who already loved me. And so I, I didn't realize it until I had to go up in front of a bunch of strangers, uh, how bad I was at stand up. <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous. So, and I, and I got to the, when I got to New York is obviously when I realized that, uh, and I'm doing all these mics, you know, we're doing everywhere I can to just me and Holden, are like just like putting our nose to the grindstone trying to do this, like doing bringer shows at Caroline's and shit. And I got to this point where I opened for Jeff. He had me, we just become buddies. He's like, you do stand up? I was like, yeah, I do stand up. He's like, all right, come open for me. And so I go open for him. I do five minutes. It's the early show. It does pretty well. It's really weird stuff. And Jeff, and I have, a, we had a lot of family in the audience. So like it was like it was a little like playing at home. He's like, "All right, do me a favor." Jeff says, "Do me a favor. Come back tomorrow night for the late show and do the same exact set." I was like, "All right." And then I just got fucking booed off my ass like like literal like booze. Like get off the stage, people yelling. It was bad. Like and then I was like, "Oh, okay. Now I understand." So I, I at that moment I realized if I was going to be a good stand-up, I was have to like fully commit. And Murder Fist was on fire. So I was thinking I kind of had to choose between stand-up and sketch. And I went with Murder Fist. I mean, like, why not? I'm working in a group. There's less pressure. And we were already killing it, you know? So, But I, I still had the itch. And so I used to do this uh, show with Ben Kissel uh, called Dog Shit. And that was amazing. It played in like every friggin' venue from like Coney Island uh to webster hall to the village poorhouse and like to legion bar and all those like crazy places and it was so much fun uh we we did that show for like seven years and it ended up being calling too fat because we went to a restaurant and they're like we can't have something called dog shit at our restaurant so um change the name and we're like all right too fat you know how about that uh but i've finally been getting in my groove like right before quarantine I started hosting all these shows for Jeff at the improvs in uh in Brea and uh in West Palm Beach and and Doral and Dania and all those cool places. And this weekend I went to go host uh for Jeff in uh Dania 
and I had a fucking great time. I did a bunch of Florida jokes. Uh, it was a blast, and I can. Uh, it, it felt good to do it, man. It felt good to get on stage here. Let me play you a short little clip, real quick. I'm a real big Dolphins fan. Any Dolphins fans in here? It's the greatest thing to do, like when another team's losing, you just sing that song at their face. It's like, oh, I hate that fucking song. <laughs> no, but, uh, man, I mean, screw all these other cities and teams with, like, winning games and, like, <laughs> scoring points and then, like, kickers with feet. <laughs> you know what makes winning a football game amazing? Losing all the other ones. <laughs> it makes it great. At least the Patriots fucking suck now, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh my god, it's about time! I'd rather root for a rack during the Olympics than root for the goddamn Patriots. We always kind of had their number though, you know? It was weird, even when we were awful, we'd still randomly beat the Patriots. And then like when their owner, Kraft, came down here, tried to get a hand job at the Flying Lotus or some shit. We're like, no, what are you doing? We're gonna fucking put you in jail, man. You were a piece of shit. You know how that poor, poor woman who had to jerk him off. This Velveeta cum. I could have seen the guy, the cop who arrested him. I wish I had seen him. It was, you know, just grabbed him. He's like, all right, in the car, old man, and uh, go Dolphins. <laughs> See you later. All right. You guys are some Florida people, man. Yeah. It makes me so happy. You're my people. I lived in Florida. I started, I was born in Orlando. I went to Boca, Deerfield, Pompano. Thank God I got out. And uh, in Tallahassee, and uh, you know, then I moved to New York, and in LA, and like New York and LA, they always like kind of make fun of you for being from Florida, like Florida man this, you know, Google your birthday in Florida man, and that's how you're gonna die, you know. It's <laughs> Pisses me off, man. They don't fucking know what it's like. They don't know what it is to be in a place where it's August for 11 months out of the goddamn year. It's hot. And we're crazy. I'm crazy now. But the one time it gets cold, it rains iguanas. That's Old Testament shit. That's a funny. That's, that shit follows the Jews. I'm telling you. Go to grab a six-foot iguana off the hood of your car. It's like, Ever seen iguana run its greatest? Chicken of the trees! The chicken of the trees, chop it up, eat it, put it on Facebook Marketplace! <laughs> Guys, we have a hell of a fucking show for you tonight. <laughs> it's Sunday, but it's Saturday, baby! We ain't going to work! It felt good to get back on stage, man. I missed it so much. It was ridiculous. And uh, I didn't know I missed it until. I started doing it and I was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. But now I just need jokes that aren't about Florida, you know, so I could do it in uh, other parts of the country, world, whatever. You know, it's a, uh, you know, they're very specific 
Publix only exists in a couple different places. You know, what are, we, what are you going to do? Uh, it was it was fun, though, just also getting down to South Florida and really having a good time. And and uh, I got to uh, screen uh, How America Killed My Mother at the movie theater I grew up in. It blew my mind to do that. It was uh, it was very emotional. And uh, all, it, I, all my old friends came and Jeff me and Travis Irvine uh, did a talk back where I uh, arguably uh, cried a little too much, uh, but it was emotional. You know, I got to go see it. I was looking at, you know, the people I grew up with, the people who grew up with my mom, you know, usually when I'm showing this movie, it's to random people, not, uh, you know, not, not those people. So it was, a, uh, it kind of, uh, it kind of shattered me a little bit. And then earlier that day, I went to go see, hang out with uh, Kevin's family. I went to go visit Kevin. He's in South Florida, uh, Kevin Barnett. And then I hung out with his family, and it was lovely. But then after that, my friends threw me a 40th birthday party. I was emotional. Publix-themed 40th birthday party, uh, by the way. Uh, so I was more than emotional, and it was such a lovely trip. And I love Florida. I miss my Florida people. I am proud to be a Florida man. I'll tell you that much. Uh, And uh, I love you guys. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to our diaries episode of The Brighter Side. Uh, Amber, you're the best. I can't wait to get back in the studio with you next week. Um, Next week, actually, on... uh, on the, I want to say the 14th. Yes, September 14th. We're going to be doing a live Brighter Side on the LPN Twitch channel. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, come check that out. That's 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. That's on the LPN Twitch channel. And it's only available there. We don't release it as a podcast anymore. So get into that. Um, also, check out Amber's other podcast that she does with Natalie Jean. I uh, call Someplace Underneath. The show is awesome uh it's uh they're killing it uh you got to check it out well informed well researched uh exclusively on spotify and all part of the last podcast network um brighter side live we talked about that uh the great mugshot roast uh, this sunday it's friday now and this comes out on sunday september 12th 2 p.m pacific 5 p.m. Eastern on the LPN Twitch channel, The Great Mugshot Roast, a benefit for The Last Prisoner Project with all the great roundtablers that you have ever wanted to hear are show up for this, and it's amazing. Uh, we're getting these stoners out from behind bars and back into weed stores because they fucking earned it the hard way. A salute to all you people. Let's get some people out of jail, right? Uh, Twitter at Eddie Tunes underscore at Amber Smelson at Last Podcast Network at Brighter Side LPN Instagram Amber Smelson Eddie Tunes Last Podcast Network The Brighter Side LPN Amber's got a Patreon go over to Patreon and look up Amber Smelson and uh, you can uh, for as little as five dollars a month you can contribute and she uh she sends you videos she she cooks with you she gardens with you she listens to your problems and talks to you all day long you're gonna love it uh it's a it's a great thing to be involved in support amber directly i love it uh amber on the rocks also every friday on the amber smelson twitch channel uh 6 p.m pacific uh 9 p.m eastern amber on the rocks every friday uh spotify check me out 
Check me out, Spotify. You love it. Uh, the you know I I am under there as Ed Larson. Uh, so look for me. It's a poster, movie poster. Check out all my playlists on there, and uh, I've got over fifty playlists. You're gonna love it for any attitude, parties, water parks, whatever you feel like. And also, I I made a playlist for Amber Nelson. It's a very good playlist. Go check it out. It's my gift to Amber. You're gonna be a part of our lives. You're a part of our lives. The Eddie Dudes two-hour radio hour is out, and people are digging it. Episode six coming out very soon. It's Neil Young themed. Uh, so here's a Neil Young track. Listen to the episode and find out if it made it in. You're going to love this. It's from live at the Fillmore East. Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Come on, baby. Let's go downtown. Yeah. It's called Come On, Baby. Let's Go Downtown. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.